following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Never mind. Again, ESPN just wants to do its thing. In other words, somebody keeps messing with my sound. Oh, Chrome, isn't it great? Uh, welcome into the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. No David G. He is actually trying to get back from a little Christmas vacay, seeing his wife's family. Chicago. Oh, he went to Chicago? Yeah. Oh, I thought he went to Pennsylvania. Maybe, maybe that was the throughput. Depend. I know that he had mentioned last week Chicago was in the mix. Uh, okay. Well, his flight got delayed. He was going to try to be here for the show, but uh, that's not going to happen. But he should be here tomorrow for another full two hours. Today and tomorrow is the only live shows for the rest of the week. We have the best of 2021 of the game. That'll be coming up on Thursday and Friday as both Troy and I will have a little bit of a break here as we head into the new year and get ready to travel off to Houston, which I'm sure there's a lot of K-State fans out there questioning because they see about every day now oh boy. something's happening with the bowl game. Is the bowl being canceled? Does the team have to drop out if it's early enough? And then that bowl tries to find a substitute. We're seeing a little bit of everything right now with the spike recently with the COVID uh, positive tests with a bunch of college football programs around the country. Uh, before we uh, kind of look more into the Texas Bowl, because K-State has released its depth chart for the Texas Bowl coming up on January 4th. And to me, it has answered a few questions that we had about the team heading into the game, which is going to be played a week from today. Uh, before we get to that, though, if you haven't heard, I'm sure you know Troy, he'll have it on the updates. Um, K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini suffered a serious stroke back on Christmas Eve, and his wife Trina... Uh, she put up a Facebook post yesterday. It was uh, last night when she said, I'll just read it here to you. She said, Dear friends and family, as some of you may already be aware, Mike was taken by ambulance to an ER Christmas Eve morning while we were in California visiting family. He had a large, rare stroke and was hospitalized. He was discharged late last night Where uh, there are still a lot of unknowns as to why this occurred with him being so healthy. We have several appointments to try and find more answers. We have been blessed to have so many of our dear friends and family that work in the medical profession that have been instrumental in supporting and guiding us through this extremely unexpected medical setback. Mike is doing well and continues to improve daily. Most major symptoms have receded. We are still working through headache management and vision issues. The logistics of his travel back home is still being evaluated. Our main focus in his recovery. So thank you to our good friends and family who are helping with our kids while Mike is healing. And thanks to those who have all reached out with well wishes and prayers. Keep them coming with love, Trina. As those who who know me and have been listening to the show for a long time, know I've worked with K-State soccer for five seasons. I got to know Mike Dabini very well. And, of course, 
all of us here at K-Man want to wish Mike Dabini and his family uh, well wishes. And Coach, get well soon. The spring season is right around the corner. But we went to a Monday Night Raw together. Uh, You know, we spent a lot of time together on those soccer road trips, and he was awesome enough to invite me on some excursions with the team. And whenever we went on the road, remember going to San Francisco and going to the Golden Gate Bridge and always accepted me as kind of part of the family on those road trips. So I always have greatly appreciated Mike Dabini. And once again, Coach, we're all thinking about you. We're thinking about your family, and please get well soon. Um, Now let's talk about football, another kind of football. Uh, As we uh, transition to uh, basically what has been the big story around college football right now, and that is COVID-19, the latest variant, uh, has really sprung things into a different direction. The NFL has seen a huge spike, NHL, NBA, all dealing with high number of positive activity with COVID-19. And with that, the NFL just recently kind of adjusted its protocol, the way they're going to be testing. And as a matter of fact, it's kind of a similar way with K-State and how they've been doing things. Um, It has sent into question, is the game going to be played? We'll be talking more about that in the second hour about the Texas Bowl. But everything is as normal as it should be. Everybody sees the five bowl games that have been affected by COVID-19 and considering that a big concern. I also kind of look at to, into it as, well, you know, 18 have, have been played as scheduled. That's a part of me hoping that this game, the Texas Bowl, will be played a week from today. But the depth chart did come out today. That's a part of the, the usual when it comes to a bowl game. We're a week away. Troy and I will be leaving on Saturday. The team is leaving on Thursday to go down to Houston, Texas and play the LSU Tigers out of the SEC. I was really happy to see a certain name pop up on that depth chart. Skylar Thompson. Now, I don't know if it's just the way K-State decides to do things, but usually when a guy is not going to play, the name is left off the list. That's not in all occasions, but I've seen it a number of times. Mm -hmm. Now, when Skyler came back in the Oklahoma game, his name was not on that list because it was a big question mark, right? It was a huge game. It was the Oklahoma game. His name was not on there, but, of course, Will Howard's name was at the top of that list. But we had a pretty good feeling that Skyler was going to be back. The gamesmanship? No. We've all had a pretty good feeling as well. (laughs) You know, you hear the whispers out there, right? You know, Skyler Thompson probably going to play in the bowl game. His name has shown up on the depth chart, which I'm extremely thrilled about because just as a fan of Skylar Thompson, I want him to play in one final game. I would hate to have him end his run of six seasons at K-State to end in an injury. That happened in the Baylor game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care about the result of the Baylor game. You know, I care about Skylar Thompson's health. And if he's able to go out there one more time, go get a W, that would be amazing. His name is on the depth chart. If you want to look into it as gamesmanship, sure, that could be a part of it. But, yeah, I would expect him to play. His name is on the depth chart. Really great chance he's going to play. Expect Skyler a week from today in Houston, Texas. All for it. Glad to know that that is in the realm of possibility still, especially given the way that his game against Baylor ended, and that is – 
stretching, trying to make something happen, and suffering an injury at that point in what had been a rough ball game. Not the not the note you want Skyler Thompson to go out on at all. In, also, injured and making a, a, a throw that winds up not doing much isn't Skyler Thompson. That's not the way that uh, that's not the way his career should go. Now there was a name that uh, I shouldn't say name. There was uh, an empty spot behind a name that we are all kind of scratching our heads. Who's going to be the guy? Because we've had a couple of transfers at this position, and that's at running back. Two K State running backs have transferred. Jacardier Wright. He transferred at the end of November, and his next landing spot is to be determined. Joe Irvin, who I man, I just I love Joe Irvin. Just such a great power back, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world. That guy had some power to him. He was a great between the tackles running back mm-hmm. for K State behind Deuce Vaughn, but he transferred at the end of November as well. And his next landing spot is also a question mark. Now he's, they're not the only two. Uh, you know, K State offensive players that have decided to go somewhere else. You know, Jalen Travis and Tyrone Howe, they are both not on the team anymore. Not sure about where they're going to go on the defensive side of the football. Backup corner T. Denson is now on his way to Purdue. But the big question was when it came to the depth chart for this bowl game, who is going to back up Deuce Vaughn at running back? Because you're now down to five running backs on the roster. And only one of them behind Deuce Vaughn has any experience when it comes to actually running the football. And that's going to be the guy who is going to back up Deuce Vaughn. That's Jordan Shippers. So if you don't know Jordan Shippers, we saw him a little bit in the uh, in the KU game. But as a Wildcat, we really haven't seen any of them too much other than what we saw in that KU game. But he is an experienced running back. Western Illinois is where he played before coming to K-State. He is a Kansas kid from Colby. 6'1", 200 pounds, good size. Also out of the four running backs behind Deuce Funny, he is the oldest. Everybody else is either a freshman or true sophomore, retro sophomore. But when he played at Western Illinois, a decent bit of experience, 29 carries, a buck 31. He never lost a yard on a, on any carry he had. A little bit in the passing game as well. You could use him in the passing game. He has that kind of experience as well. But besides Joe Irvin and Jacardier Wright, we had only seen Jordan Shippers. I'll be honest with you, though. I want to see somebody else other than Deuce Vaughn and Jordan Shippers getting that game, and that is, you could probably guess, DJ Giddens. I want to see him in a game. I want to go. I want to see him run a play in the Texas Bowl. It's not going to hurt anything. They're already using the Junction City kid has a ton of talent. I don't think it's going to hurt anything if he does get in this game. The six-one running back is. I've seen him play before. He is solid. And his name was also talked about as being kind of the fourth-string guy. Could he be that fourth-string guy behind Joe Irvin, Jacardier Wright? You know, Keon Mosey had already moved on, so that kind of that fourth spot had opened up and thought maybe D.J. Giddens, that true freshman, is going to be that guy. We haven't seen him this year. Shippers was in that spot through the course of the season when you, when you went down that list. So he's getting elevated by a couple of spots with the latest depth chart. The other two you have at running back for K-State, I, I don't even know who's all traveling. I would imagine some of these guys would go. But you also have Devon Weathers, a six-foot running back and a freshman we haven't seen yet. 
And then Clyde Price, I would say, is the name that had a lot of hope behind it of seeing as a Wildcat play early in his career. And maybe Deuce Vaughn had a little something to take away from that. But he hasn't shown up on a depth chart at all. But Clyde Price, six foot two ten, he's also somebody else that has good size that we haven't seen either. But out of the three I'd mentioned who have not played that are still on this roster, DJ Giddens is who I want to see play. Doesn't mean he's going to play, of course. It's going to be the Deuce Vaughn show. <laughs> it's going to be the Deuce Vaughn, hey, I'm going to get some Darren Sproles reps kind of game probably. As in, you're probably not going to see too many other guys get running plays. Especially if Skylar Thompson is your quarterback, it's either going to be Deuce Vaughn or some jet sweeps. Depending on, of course, where we are in terms of the game and how some things play out. Now, we get into the second half and LSU starts to struggle because of their depth, especially on the defensive side, and that ball game opens up a little bit, you might start to see someone other than Deuce in that position. Another name I didn't see on the depth chart, Nick Allen. Nick Allen's a backup linebacker. I thought has done a really good job this year. Uh, he started for Cody Fletcher. When uh, when uh, Cody, I'm sorry, no, he, he started for Daniel Green earlier this year, and I thought he did a fine job. But he is uh, he he got hurt late in the year. He will uh, looks like he is not going to be playing in the Texas Bowl. And I apologize ahead of time. I'm gonna have to turn off my mic once in a while because still trying to get over this cold. It's a pain in the butt. Welcome to December. I thought I I thought I was over it a couple of days ago. It just keeps coming back. It lingers. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go away. We got a fun show coming your way because coming up in hour number two, more on the Texas Bowl, why I think it is going to be played. I don't think it's going to be one of those games that gets canceled. And I'll tell you why coming up at 510, Mitch in Vegas. It is the final picks of Mitch in Vegas this season as we're going to tackle the Big 12 Bowl games, which actually one starts here in about an hour and a half. Number one song of the day, Ask Us Anything is all coming up. But when we come back, by the way, Jeff Mitty is going to come on later this hour. My top 10 list for the week is up next, and it's about LSU. That's after this. What is this song? I recognize it, but I... Chili Hot by Us Three. Oh. I couldn't give you a single lyric, but... It doesn't have a lyric. Oh, it doesn't? Okay. Whose beds are you using? Just finding what I can. MF Bed. That's a good good little search tool there for you. (laughs) Let's get some of the good ones back in there. Back yes. in the game, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Yes, Coach. How about this? How about some K-State men's basketball showing up in bracketology? Mike DeCorey, who's with uh, Fox College Hoops, has the Cats in the first four out. You can build off of that, right? It's good news. I'd consider that pretty good news. Now ESPN does not have the Cats in bracketology. We're too early to be talking bracketology. Conference hasn't started yet. You know what? I don't think it's too early to talk bracketology. Is it too early to talk polls in college football when it's six weeks in? Six weeks in? No, because you've started your conference campaign, and we have an idea at least of what teams are bringing. It's too early for a college poll when you've not played a snap. Well, I, the seasons are a lot different. You know, one-fourth of your schedule in football is non-con. Meanwhile, a third of your schedule in uh, in hoops is non-con. True. 
Again, I'm having to shut off my mic way too much here because I'm oh, it's getting annoying. I, I did not have this cough all day long. And then as soon as that clock hits 4.07, mm-hmm. a cough shows up. All right, let's get to this top 10 list. I've been looking forward to this one because this was pretty fun to put together. Looking into the bowl game, I had to get to know more about LSU. I needed to know what this team was all about. It's not so much just about the team, the university, the people of LSU. What are we dealing with when we get to Houston, Texas here in a few days? So my top 10 list this week is my top 10 facts about LSU. It's not just about football. Like I mentioned before, it could be about the people. It could be about a certain individual. It could be about the mascot, the history of LSU. I looked at it all. And I picked out 10 things that I thought was uh, was interesting. So here we go. Number 10. So how is LSU not under the cancel culture right now? Because the LSU Tiger nickname was drawn from the Civil War. Oh. And it's from Civil War fame of two Louisiana brigades fighting for the South who fought so fiercely that they became known as the Louisiana Tigers. And LSU adopted that nickname. Civil War ties with the LSU Tigers. Now, I don't recall an actual Tiger fighting in the Civil War, but supposedly that's a different story. As a matter of fact... Number nine. Number nine is about the live Tiger. And that is LSU is the only Tiger team in college athletics in the United States that has a live Tiger. Now, Memphis... Had a live Tiger for a long time. That ended last year. Memphis Tiger passed away suddenly, and their AD was like, or their president, rather, was like, all right, we're we're not going to do this live Tiger thing anymore. But LSU has had a live Tiger on their campus since 1936, starting with Mike number one. And they're now now Mike number seven. And um, they used to have the Tiger actually come into the stadium. It was in the cage, but mm-hmm. they would like drag the cage behind a truck. They don't do that anymore. They haven't done it here in about three or four years. The the old days of essentially being a circus. But I tell you what, they do have a pretty nice. Even the trailer looked like a circus, right? Con- containment, confinement. But uh, they do have a nice kind of like a zoo exhibit for the tiger. Mm-hmm. Lives comfortably. I'm not the biggest fan of zoos, but it could be worse. Hashtag Tiger King. I was going to say, it's got to be a pretty good life being the LSU Tiger. It's got to be a pretty good life being Mike. Number eight. Number eight is complete. It's nonsense. Because LSU promotes themselves as a school with two-thirds of their student graduates with no student debt. Bull. That's bull crap. There's no way, because their annual tuition is $12,000. That was actually a little lower than I thought it was going to be. But if you're out of state and you attend LSU, it's twenty eight grand. Oh, boy. Like, there's no, to me, there's even in-state. LSU is a really poor state, as in there's not a ton of wealthy. Sure. That state has been in debt, been nearly bankrupt a couple of times. It's had really bad leadership. That surprises me. That There's no way. There's no way that's even possible. Two-thirds of student students that graduate have no debt. Huey, how is that possible? Is there a way, like, is there something I don't understand about financial aid or something that can 
keep you from having debt? There, there's going to have to be some research done on my part about Huey Long, if he had any role in that. The governor that you know really fought hard against some of the things that FDR wanted to do, but then turned around and did a number of them himself. I've got a feeling there's something in the Louisiana politic there that needs a little research. Number seven. K-State fans, if you go to Houston and number seven happens to you, let me know. At Mitch the Ford on Twitter. You can call us the next week and let us know if this happens to you. Because I supposedly LSU fans, they don't boo the opposing team or opposing fans. Instead, they chant tiger bait. <laughs> it's been documented that they'll find fans, opposing fans, like in the concourse or something, and then surround this fan and just start chanting tiger bait. That's a little weird. Yeah. Or a opposing fan is wa- is walking down the stairs and they, you hear tiger bait, tiger bait. I'm sorry, this isn't some seventh grade football game. This is college football. You boo when you see opposing teams and opposing fans. I mean, it's still better treatment than most fans get at uh, either Dolphins or Raiders games. Well, I'll tell you what, the treatment of others, there's more on LSU coming up in this top 10 list. Top 10 facts about LSU, red number six. Number six. I like this story. The original colors of LSU were what, Troy? Wow, that one I do not know. Blue and white instead of purple and gold. Okay. But it goes all the way back to the 1800s. So LSU, they start out as blue and white, and then they play their first football game, 1983, in November. They're hosting Tulane. And the mm. president was like, God, we gotta, we gotta decorate. We gotta put some this is a big occasion. It's our first football game. We gotta decorate the campus. Well, they start looking around and well, all the stuff they have and what they can find is all Mardi Gras colors. Purple uh-huh. and gold. Uh-huh. So they're like, well crap, we got this we got these uniforms that are blue and white, but we're gonna start putting up all this purple and gold. He was like, you know what? We're changing our colors. We're now purple and gold at LSU. I thought that was a neat little story about little history. But it also, like, perp, uh, you know, blue and white, you're supposed to be the, the franchise university, and it, they were like the franchise university all the way back then. Mm-hmm. Want some colors that tie into the history of the state, right? Number five. Number five is about Tiger Stadium and about Death Valley. Now, there is another Death Valley out there. And it belongs to Clemson. Clemson actually had Death Valley before LSU. Clemson goes all the way back to 1948. Meanwhile, LSU is 1959 is when they started calling their stadium Death Valley. But Mm. there was a name change. They were actually, prior to that, the stadium nickname was Death Valley, as in D-E-A-F Valley. That's because even way back then, I don't know if it's just the acoustics of the stadium, it wasn't at the capacity it is now, which is like 102,000. It's like the seventh biggest stadium in America. But it was so loud, it would get in there during football games. The nickname was Death Valley. The reason for the name change is we don't know. There's a couple of stories out there, but there's no concrete story of why that name change was made. So they just stole somebody else's name. (laughs) Not to be confused with the actual Death Valley in California. Number four. Uh, Number four, this is also a really cool story about LSU. They were the first college football team to play on foreign soil. Hmm. It goes back to 1907. 
when LSU, and back then there was only one bowl game. Mm-hmm. It was the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. But did you know there was a bowl game played in Cuba? It was on Christmas Day, 1907. 10,000 fans were in there in Havana, Cuba, as LSU played the University of Havana. LSU won that game 56 to nothing. The Rumble? The Rumble. Call it the Rum Bowl, apparently? No? Cuba? I think it's cigars. Is rum a big thing in yeah, Cuba? Yeah, rum's a big thing in Cuba. Let's move on. Number three. I felt cornered there. I had to fight out like a tiger. I was like, I crap, I don't know my history of Cuba. I just know they didn't get along with the United States for a long time. Bay of Pigs, stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know. All right, where are we at? Number three, did I play it? Yes, you did. Number three. Huh. LSU is named the second best tailgating school in the country. This was just a couple of years ago. The big difference between LSU and other schools is when it comes down to the food. This is why I have it all the way up at number three. I love Cajun food. Mm-hmm. And guys, if you're going down to Houston, maybe make some friends with some you know, some LSU friends that are having a big tailgate. Because you know the food is going to be top-notch. Because they have crawfish. They're going to boil some shrimp. They're going to have jambalaya, maybe some gumbo. Oh, the, the Cajun cuisine. I'm going to be in uh, New Orleans in April. And that's crawfish season. I'm going to go nuts when it comes to the Cajun cuisine. And if you haven't really dabbled with it, go make some friends. Say, hey, I brought the beer. You got some food? That sounds like a marriage to me. That's a win-win right there. Number two. (laughs) This might counter everything I've said about the fans other than the uh, Tiger Bait thing. LSU has ranked the third worst behaved fan base. The third worst behaved fan base, and this comes to this. You might only experience this if K State is just putting the hammer down. Sure, give a shout out to Mitch Holtis there on LSU in this bowl game because this was actually a, a survey that came out two weeks ago by Play Michigan, which is a uh, a sports betting website, mm-hmm. and they surveyed over two thousand NCAA football teams, and a lot of them said one of the worst experiences they had was going to LSU and dealing with the fans of LSU fans. We're accused of yelling at people, which, okay. Uh, But to the point of borderline harassment and even going as far as tailgating, like in cars, tailgating other people, and also pelting them with Mardi Gras beads. This is problematic. Were these people shirtless when the beads were thrown (laughs) at them? That might kind of tell a different story. Uh, And mailer, uh, anyway. Number one. But finally, number one is my favorite story out of LSU. This comes down to a certain person. I don't, I don't care. He's no longer at LSU. This is a great story. That was about Les Miles and his weird thing he used to do when he went on the road with LSU. He would eat the grass mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. other field. He even did it at home sometimes. He said the best grass was at Death Valley. But it, it goes back to when he was a little kid. He would just pick up some blades of grass and just eat them. He felt closer to the environment. Oh, boy. He says it. it's a tradition that humbles him as a man. What? It's, it has nothing to do with, oh, man, the playing surface. It might be a little faster than it is at home when I go travel over there to Brian Denny. <laughs> Seriously? All right. Jeff Mitty is up next on the game. <laughs> you can uh, call me childish if, childish if you want, but... Um, One of my Christmas gifts I got, I can't stop playing with it. You know what I mean? 
I'm so fascinated with, and it was a weird present to begin with, but it's pretty awesome, actually. Troy, were you a fan of the show Cheers? Yeah, I was. <laughs> last, uh, well, I shouldn't say last year. It was like over the summer. I finished watching Cheers every episode. Loved the show, uh, but I've only watched it one time through. It's a lot of episodes. It's yeah. on like eleven seasons, and uh, but I really enjoyed it. But my girlfriend, she gave me a um, a Cheers trivia book, and as I've looked through it, it kind of goes by goes character by character, just trivia about the character. Oh, okay. And at the end, there's trivia about the bar. Oh, okay. See, I thought it was all just Cliff Clavin stuff. I wish. Just nonsensical things that well, he brought up. guess who's on the cover? Right. Cliff Clavin. Yeah. He's the one that has, is the trivia guy, right? He knows everything about everything. But as I, as I read through this book and trying to just try to quiz myself on trivia on these Cheers characters, uh, I should have paid attention more to the show. <laughs> uh, because I guess I didn't uh, – I, I haven't been doing a very good job of keeping up with this trivia here and getting the questions right. If I gave you a random question, could you answer it, you think? Were you a big enough fan? Um, When's the last time you watched an episode oh of Cheers? Oh, God. It's like Home Improvement. You can't find reruns of Cheers, like that on it, just regular television. Right. They've punted them away after so many years of running them. Well, and the prices – I suppose, oh, like, yeah. for some of these shows, like the um, – you know, if you want to buy – the rights to the show, you know, there's also, you know, NBC has streaming now and they're right. airing or they're showing you can watch Cheers as much as you want. But for the reruns, you're going to have to pay a hefty price. I know Netflix has Seinfeld right now, and I know that wasn't cheap. They're, they they had to pay a lot of money to get just the rights to Seinfeld. Well, and I know that The Office was a high money deal for netflix until it got yoinked and put, yeah, for, a, put, put back over on peacock yeah for a long time the office i mean boy the office was on netflix for about a decade mm-hmm. and then so was parks and rec it was on there for a long time and then the peacock network became a thing and now you have to go over there if you want to watch the office or parks and rec but with youtube tv i've just recorded every episode and i can go watch it whenever i want there you go out think them the big wigs over there at uh, 30 rock hmm. Let's see here. Let me let me uh, let, let's, let's pull. It. You, you like uh, Cliff Clavin, right? Yeah. If you want a random uh, Cheers trivia question, five three seven thirteen fifty. I'll hook you up with a trivia question here. Cliff Clavin. All right, here we go. What is tattooed on Cliff's butt? The USPS logo. <laughs> yeah, you would think, right? A big <laughs> heart with the inscription "I love Vera." Oh, okay. Yeah. Which Thanks. I believe is his mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, we are scheduled to have Jeff Mitty on right now, but haven't got the the phone call yet. I was I was going to bring up with Jeff Mitty, and I brought this up on Twitter yesterday about how I think it's extremely ridiculous. It's silly that the K State women's basketball team, a ten and two, a great win in their last game against Oregon, twenty third ranked in the country at the time. Their only two losses, number one South Carolina and number five. NC State, which they both went on the road, true road matchups mm-hmm. in both of those, and they're not even receiving votes in either top 25 poll. Their net ranking is 12th in the country, but neither the AP or the coaches is respecting Jeff Minnie and the Cats right now, which I think is just insane. There are their top 25 teams right now that have much more, much worse of a resume than K-State has right now. How much of that is because the program hasn't had the type of success 
getting out of the gate that it is having this year. I wonder with with the AP, you know, women's basketball is interesting because like the top five, maybe six or seven, top five, six or seven is a completely different stratosphere than the rest of the nation. Right. Like it's insanely different. The scale, like the talent uh, UConn or South, South Carolina have over everybody else. Well, and this is, part, in there. Th- this is part of the problem that UConn ran into being – in the AAC and you know South Florida their program is is not even in in the same stratosphere it's not even in the same black hole if you wanted to go that route i mean it's it's not even close to the same galaxy when it comes to women's basketball you and so UConn was just running roughshod over teams in the AAC because there really wasn't anyone there to challenge them like the old Big East had when you had Notre Dame that was in there. Syracuse was a come-and-go team at times, uh, but there were other programs that would that would put together a good challenge against UConn. The AAC wasn't that way. I got corrected by my girlfriend. Vera was uh, Norm's wife. Okay. I should have known that, you know. I, like Norm's I said earlier, wife. I, I'm, not, I'm not good with names. I'm terrible with names. I forget names. And then, but uh, Vera, you know, he's always... Hey, Vera's on the phone for you. You know, tell her I'm yeah. not here. You know, yeah. when he's three sheets to the wind. All right, uh, we're going to try to get Jeff Mitty on the show. Um, I know he's been really busy today. The team is back in town, and they're getting ready for Baylor, the tenth ranked team in the country, mm-hmm. on Sunday here in Manhattan at one o'clock over at Bramlage. I, I'm pretty sure they're practicing twice today to kind of get back into shape after the uh, short holiday break. Yep, but, welcome uh, welcome to post-Christmas. If not, we'll move on with the rest of Hour 1 coming up next on The Game. All right, here's another one for you here. Who was the last person in the bar other than Sam in Cheers when they closed up on the final episode? Diane. Nope. Norm. I was, of course, three sheets to the wind when that occurred. But were you in school at the time the the season finale, the series finale aired? Yes, that was what ninety three. Yep. Yeah, just just where'd about you, just about time for my last semester. Where'd you watch it? Rusty's. See, that's wild to me. That Rusty's. <laughs> that show was so big that Rusty's aired the final episode for everybody to watch. Well, there wasn't anything else on sports-wise because it was early summertime. What was Sam Malone's nickname? Uh, Come on, I I know that. I don't even have to look at the book. I know this one. Then have at it. It's Mayday Malone. Yeah, and I should know it. It, it, Again, I haven't watched in so long. That, yeah. You remember what team he played for, right? Yeah, the Red Sox. That was a given. Sure. See what else can I pull up? Do you know the? Well, you you wouldn't know it. The founding date of uh, the founding year of, the, of Cheers, the bar. Yeah, eighteen eighty three. Close eighty nine. But so I remember. I remember this episode very clearly. Sam changed it to ninety five because ninety five is a good luck number for Carla. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. We're gonna finish our one of the game. I just want to say Bob Stoops earlier today was asked if would he, he accept a tequila bath rock and roll tequila bath instead of gatorade because you know he's a part owner i guess of rock and roll tequila uh he said that would be okay what's the administration gonna do fire me here's the deal (laughs) 
Do you have to clear this with the police first if you're going to be doused in tequila? Make sure that there are no abrasions on your body. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's an expensive bath, too. Oof. I'm sure. I mean, that's nothing to Bob Stoops. I mean, granted, it's better than mayo. Which essentially the winning coach basically has to sit in a throne and just get slimed with mayo like if he's on Nickelodeon. As someone put it, we're waterboarding a coach with mayonnaise. And then the the mayo bowl's like, yeah, that's basically what we're doing. (laughs) Ick. When I think of rock and roll, I don't think of tequila, by the way. I think of whiskey. I think they should have gone whiskey instead of tequila. Probably. Hour two of the game is coming up. Why I think the Texas Bowl will be played. Don't worry, guys. That's up next.